name is Reina Montoya and I am with Jose Patiño. Today we will be discussing the education inequity in Arizona on Document Students 5 for Higher Ed. So tell us, Jose, before we get into dive deep into the inequalities of education, what do you have for food today? Uh, again, I had chicken teriyaki, uh, some sriracha, some spices. So, you know, I'm a big fan of chicken teriyaki. I promise we're not getting paid by chicken teriyaki. And it also <laughs> says that Jose's a little boring with his food choices. But I had chicken chomrites the first time that I had it. Diego is like cracking up. He's in the office and he bought it for me. But I mean, I tried it and it was delicious. So I'm really happy. But moving on, talking into a little bit on happier things. We have heard a lot in the news recently how undocumented students or DACA recipients in the state of Arizona will no longer be able to apply for in-state tuition, meaning that they have the ability to pay an affordable rate at their, at their higher education, universities, or community college. So let's dive in into a little bit about the history, how it started. So Jose, can you please tell us a little bit more about this Supreme Court case that happened back in 1982 before you were born and how it actually helped you get in through, through high school. Yeah, I think one thing to highlight out of this podcast is that people of color and immigrants have had a hard time um, obtaining education here in the United States. Um, so I think we're going to focus on undocumented students. Um, so in 1975, the Texas legislature passed a law uh, asking school districts to provide uh, the legal status of their students. Uh, so slowly but surely, the school districts started to implementing this policy, and you started seeing uh, students not going to school because they weren't able to provide legal status. Uh, and then what happened is if enough students got together with the help of their parents and attorneys, and they filed the lawsuit that ultimately went to the Supreme Court. And in 1982, Decision 524, the Supreme Court said that under the 14th Amendment, the Equal Protection Clause, the undocumented students were eligible for K-12 uh, education. Uh, but I think one thing to highlight after that is it was just K-12. It wasn't higher education. So in a way, that set the precedent for what's, what happened in the future. And it's kind of, in a way, to think about it, if you're undocumented, you have K-12, that's the what you're supposed to attain, and that's what is facilitated by the government here uh, with your tax dollars because we pay taxes. But beyond that, we're in limbo. So are you telling me that if I am an undocumented student, I pretty much have a safe heaven and I'm able to have a high school diploma, but I'm not really able to aspire for anything else after I graduate high school? Well, that's not the case. Like, for example, I came to the United States in 1995 with my family. And the first month I spent here, we didn't, I didn't go to school. None of my, my siblings went to school. None of my cousins went to school. Uh, one of the things was because we thought we couldn't register for, for, for school. Uh, the only reason that we actually attended uh, elementary was because after going so many days straight to Fry's, uh, one of the managers saw me and asked my mom, hey, why isn't your kid going to school? My mom was like, I didn't know he could go to school. And so they, they helped them help my mom go through the process and start going to school. After I attended, I was enrolled, then my cousins started being enrolled. And, and that was the thing is that, but one thing for always reflected is that after you graduated uh, out of uh, high school, 
then it's in Arizona and other states. There's not a vehicle for you to to gain your get gain your education. So how old were you when you came to the states, and what year was that, Jose? I was six years old, and I came in 1995. Damn, you're old, 1995. <laughs> Did you know that in 1996 there was this thing called the Clinton administration? So yes, I did know. <laughs> I actually celebrated when Clinton got elected. Oh, That's... no. Let me give you some bad news <laughs> of why you should have not celebrated. Hey, the other guy, the other guy was like, hey, I'm going to deport all these illegals. Anyways, we're going into sidetrack, Jose, but let me explain to you. Let me debunk a little bit of something what happened in 1996 with the help of President Clinton and his administration. So in 1996, Congress passed a law that will not only criminalize people like you and me who are undocumented living in the in the United States. Well, now we have DACA, right? But it, but at that moment we were undocumented. It also gave states pretty much the right to decide whether undocumented students could pay the state tuition. There were two laws that were enacted by Congress and then signed by President Clinton. One of them was called the Personal Responsibility and Work Opportunity Reconciliation Act, also known as PRWORA. Don't worry, if you're really nerdy and you like to like dig into policy, we'll provide a little link in our source in our webpage. And the other law was also called the Illegal Immigration Reform and Immigrant Responsibility Act, also known as IRA-IRA. So pretty much those two laws gave the power back to the states to decide whether they were able to provide in-state tuition for undocumented students. What did this mean? This meant that in 1982, as Jose was telling us, if you were going through kindergarten to the 12th grade, you were good. You were able to go to school and you didn't have any problem if you were undocumented. However, after you graduated, it was up to your state to decide if you were gonna be able to pay in-state tuition or pretty much have to pay out-of-state tuition. When you have to pay out-of-state tuition, it's pretty much you as undocumented student, you're never able to get to qualify for in-state. So for example, if I'm a student that was born in California and wants to come to Arizona, and then a few months later, I'm able to establish residency and pay for in-state tuition, undocumented students don't have that opportunity. So if you have been living for many, many years in the state of Arizona, like Jose, went through K through 12, and you have paid taxes, your parents have paid taxes, you don't have that opportunity to pay for in-state tuition if your state decides that. Yeah, and on top of that is you pay taxes, pay property tax, sales tax, income tax, yet you don't have the ability to pay the rate that everybody else, or all your classmates are eligible to pay just because you don't have that nine-digit number or those legal paperwork that make you... And I'm going to interrupt you there. Paying taxes is important because that's how you fund education through property and sales taxes. But yeah, pretty much that's what happened in 1996. So shame on you for celebrating Clinton, Jose. <laughs> After 1996, 10 states uh, were proactive in protecting the, the rights of students to uh, pursue a higher education. Um, and they passed laws making it, making it possible for undocumented students to go to uh, college and pay the in-state rate uh, some of them were California, some of them were Texas, but Arizona, Reina, what did Arizona do? Dun, dun, dun. The beautiful state of Arizona, the place where I grew up and I love, decided to be one of the most hostile places for undocumented immigrants, including their students. So in 2006, 
Prop 300 was part of a ballot where Arizona voters had to decide whether undocumented students like me and Jose had the ability to pay in state tuition or not. This vote didn't come alone. It came along with a bunch of propaganda, pretty much lying to the Arizona voters. And let's be real, you all. How many of people actually do the research on ballot initiatives or propositions? So what happened is that there was really bad propaganda misinforming Arizona voters on the actual impact of Prop 300, and Prop 300 was passed. Its passage meant that undocumented students weren't able to pay in-state tuition or obtain merit-based scholarships. So I remember being a high school student. I was a junior in 2006, and it was fully implemented in 2007. And I remember having to do in my dual enrollment class and have to sign it up, and I have to pay it out-of-state tuition. I had to pay three times as much as any other of my peers in in my senior year of high school because I wasn't able to provide a social security number regardless of how much money my parents had paid into taxes. So for me, that was something very personal where it really impacted my ability to get more dual enrollment classes, but also impacted my future after graduation when I was living a very uncertain time where I didn't know if I was going to be able to actually go to the university of my dreams at that moment, Arizona State University. So some of the real implications that happened after Prop 300 it was that many students had to drop out of school. They couldn't really afford to go into, um, into community college or university. So Jose, can you tell us a little bit about, more about what was the real cost of, of Prop 300 for students? Yeah, actually research shows that at, before Prop 300 at the universities, you had close to 1,500 students um, going, attending their, their bachelor's degree. After you saw a sharp decline, and every single year you saw less and less students enrolled. A similar numbers happened at the Maricopa Community Colleges. You had close to 3,000 students, and little by little, it, it declined. And for our audience, sorry to interrupt you, for our audience that are outside of Arizona, Maricopa is the largest county in the state of Arizona that serves the Phoenix metropolitan area. Yeah, it has about a little bit more than 100,000 students overall taking classes there. So it's, it's a huge, it's the main feeder to the universities here locally. Uh, and then you saw that, what, what actually, um, after Prop 300 was announced, the community colleges here locally said, hey, you can still pay in-state tuition if you're undocumented, but you can only take seven credits. So many of us, like myself, I took credits at the community college. I took six credits over the summer, and I was able to pay in-state tuition. Uh, and then... Little by little, that, start, that, that started to spread that the uh, district board uh, in, to, in 2011, they decided to, hey, no, we're going to ban this. You're not going to be eligible for in-state tuition if you're undocumented. So that basically increased the, the credit per hour cost from $76 to $317. That's more wow, than Wow, yeah, that's, that's incredible. From $76 to $317? Yeah, that's for then more than four times as much. Uh, so that made that almost impossible for folks. And then at the same time, at ASU, U of A, and NAU, about, it was a little bit under $5,000 per, per semester, the cost for in-state, and out-of-state tuition was a little bit over 11000 So it was almost triple 
So for people who are listening from outside of Arizona, ASU, U of A, and NAU are our state universities that are publicly funded, meaning that people like Jose and I, even though that we were undocumented at that time in a world before DACA, we still paid our taxes, and we were actually paying into the costs and the contributions of these universities. Yeah, and, and with Prop 300 and uh, MCCD, uh, new tuition rate hike, it made it almost impossible for undocumented students to pursue higher education. So things look really bleep in 2011. Uh, you had the recession going on. You had Arpaio doing his raids. You had the Obama, um, Obama administration doing deportation, massive. But in 2012, Reina, what happened in the summer of 2012? So there was a glimpse of hope. On June 15 of 2012, the DACA program was announced, a program that would yay. protect. Yes, yay. yay! Yay, President Obama! Yay! Thank you Anyways, so much. Anyways, not yay. <laughs> um, Patino loves. Jose loves to hit on President Obama, but regardless of all the barriers, he actually cared about his public perception about Latinos and how he was treating immigrants. So that allowed a lot of undocumented youth really putting a lot of pressure on President Obama to give protections from deportation to undocumented youth. So the DACA program was able to help help students go to school, get a driver's license, and not fear of deportation. So what this meant for the state of Arizona, it meant that the Maricopa Community Colleges would accept the DACA work permit as a valid identification for students to pay in-state tuition. So now we started seeing people who had to drop out of school because of Prop 300, because of all the things that that, that Jose was telling us that from from the cost of just one credit hour of like $70 going to more than $300, it, it enabled people now who had DACA to actually pay in-state tuition at community colleges. And they were able to enroll right on the fall semester of September 2012. Yeah, and then six months later, our very dear friend of ours, the former Attorney General, Tom Horn. Well, he, that was his. That was his. His ally. He filed a lawsuit with the approval of Governor Brewer, which is La Bruja. I told you she was coming. She was coming. <laughs> Glad she left, but she's still she's still there somewhere. Uh, so in June 18, 2013, they filed a lawsuit uh, saying that Maricopa Community Colleges did not have the the right to give in-state tuition to DACA recipients based on Proposition 300, and again the 1996 laws that the Clinton administration passed. What is important for people to understand is that people who were able to have in-state tuition were those who had a DACA card, so those DACA recipients. People who were undocumented, they were still victims of Prop 300, and they had to pay out-of-state tuition. So what ended up happening is that actually the Maricopa Community Colleges won this battle. They won the legal Yay, battle. We, we were able to pay in-state tuition. And then, dun, 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 again, here it comes. Tom Horn wasn't satisfied, and he decided to appeal this court case, which is just a fancy word to say we're not happy with the decision from the court, so we're going to go to a higher court and say that that they don't have the power to give in-state tuition to DACA recipients, and DACA recipients don't have the legal authority to be getting in-state tuition. Yeah, however, however, there was some hope. Tell us. 
There was some hope in May uh, 5th, Cinco de Mayo, 2015. That's what I'm talking Cinco about. Cinco de Drinco. I don't know about that right now. Uh, but the Arizona Board of Regents, a.k.a. Board, uh, said, hey, you know, we have some great, talented students. Let's give them a state tuition. So they did. They were able to give a state tuition in 2015. And it took three years, Jose, after actually Maricopa Community College is being very bold and saying, we're going to do the right thing and protect our DACA scholars. Um, ASU, U of A, and NAU, it took them three years later to actually provide state tuition. Well, this is the thing, though. The eight board regents... Uh, the people What's in charge. Abor, uh, I told you already. They were from the Board of Regents. And what are they in charge of? The three universities. Okay. Uh, so the regents are actually appointed by the governor. So when they say, like, hey, we're going to give you state tuition, they actually did a referendum on Governor Brewer, who appointed them, and Governor Ducey later on. Dun, 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 dun. Drama, drama, drama. <laughs> but they did the right thing, right? Yes, and did. then we were able to see how students were able to apply not only for their undergraduate programs, they were able to get grad, uh, grad school degrees, their master's degree, and all of that. But unfortunately, this legal battle continued after the Board of the Board of Appeals was really concerned. They they had a lot of hearings, and they didn't know what to do. The last hearing that they had on institution was on June 20th of 2017, and then they actually decided to overturn the ruling that allowed DACA recipients to pay in-state tuition at public, at public colleges, universities. So they pretty much said, I'm sorry, DACA, DACA students, you're not eligible to pay for in-state tuition. But the Maricopa Community Colleges did the right thing, and then they said, well, if you're going to appeal state and you're not going to like the decision, we're also going to appeal because we believe our DACA students deserve the ability to pay in-state tuition. Remember, remember the 5th of September. So September 5th of 2017, a really horrible day for many of us who are DACA recipients. President Trump decides to end the DACA program that will pretty much take away all our hopes and all our certainty of having um, legal presence in the United States. So what ended up happening actually was that everybody who was under the DACA program and was protected from deportation was, would be able to have their DACA program good to go until its expiration date. So those people who were 14, those little kids who were hoping to apply for DACA as long as they would turn 15, those people who were saving up to get their $495 to actually apply for the program, those young people who were gathering more information to ensure that their DACA application was going to be approved, they will no longer be able to apply for DACA. Yeah, actually in Arizona, there's about 52,000 uh, youth, eligible, eligible youth, uh, and only about 20,000 have actually applied. Um, so you have 24,000 who will not be eligible for the DACA program, either because they were too young or for other criteria. So it's really frustrating because we know, I know some high school students that basically did not age into the program or they were old enough, but their parents were afraid of applying because of the new president. Um, so this president, the evil Sith Lord, sometimes I like to call him, uh, Star Wars friend right there, um, made has made the life of DACA recipients more chaotic and more scary than before. 
And what is important to know that this actually had a big impact on on the opportunity for DACA students to continue to go to school. In the state of Arizona, we were still fighting the legal fight. And actually, on April 9th of 2018, the Arizona Supreme Court unanimously ruled that the state of Arizona could not provide institution for DACA recipients. And they use laws like Prop 300, IRA-IRA, and PRWORA, the ones that were passed in 1996 under Clinton, to pretty much deny institution for DACA beneficiaries. So if it wasn't enough for people being exposed to not have DACA anymore. We had to have the Arizona Supreme Court kick us down when we were already devastated to pretty much tell us, hey, you're not going to be able to have in-state tuition anymore. Yeah. Um, so right now, DACA students are paying in-state tuition at the community colleges and the universities just for the spring semester. Come the, fall, come the, the summer and the fall semester, they're going to start paying out-of-state tuition. However, um, ABOR, which is the, the entity that governs the local, uh, the three public universities here in Arizona, say they would charge 150 tuition rate for DACA recipients, not undocumented students. So we're going to pay one, one and a half more than everybody else, but we're still going to be eligible. It's going to be less than out-of-state tuition. So if you're a student or you're an educator or you're just someone who cares about students in Arizona, please Please listen to students. Right now they're going through really hard times. They're freaking out, rightfully so, because they don't know if they're going to be able to pay for in-state tuition the next semester. They don't know that by even paying the 150% rate, it's going to allow them to continue to go to school. So we're telling you to please support them by having a listening ear to make sure that you're pitching in for their education. Right now, it is important to note that also we don't know what Maricopa Community Colleges are going to do regarding tuition for DACA recipients. They haven't come up publicly about what are their plans. And what we do know is that the only way for us to ensure that not only DACA recipients but undocumented students have been state tuition in Arizona is by passing a statewide initiative that will basically repeal Prop 300. So... That's something that we want to let you know that is coming up, and we as Aliento are going to be doing a lot of organizing around that. So make sure that you know that you, if you, especially if you're a voter in the state of Arizona, if you have the right to vote, or you know anyone who has the right to vote in Arizona, that we're thinking about proactively about how can we ensure that not only DACA recipients but undocumented students are going to be protected and have equity whenever they are going to go forward in getting their undergraduate degree or any higher education. Jose, can you tell us what's next? We have heard all this history about why undocumented students in Arizona are not able to have in-state tuition and all the legal battles and all the good work that students have done in order to combat that. So what can you tell our audience about what's next and what's coming up? Well, one of the things clear for students is that the reason we got DACA, the Fraction of Childhood Arrivals, was because people like Lena and myself uh, came out of the shadows. It was a scary time. And we started to organize and advocate for ourselves with the help of a lot of our allies, a lot of our educators, a lot of our friends. So it's a similar moment now. I know it's a scary time because you have a president who's very anti-immigrant. You have law enforcement, which is very scary. But you, the number one protection for us will be to unite uh, 
unite with people, get educated on what's going on, make sure you continue to do the right things, try to get as highest grade as you can, because ultimately I know from history that's going to help you give you some protection. And don't, don't give up to despair. Uh, that's ultimately what they want. Ultimately, these people who are passing this loss want us for us to give up. And when we give up, they win. And when they win, they basically make it so hard, so difficult for us to live here that we ultimately they want us to solve the part. Um, and now we have to come back and show them why our parents migrated, why our parents and family members have made so many sacrifices for us to be here, and why we continue to every single day keep keep fighting. And just know that even though that we don't know what's going to happen in the future, what we do know is that once we have an education, nobody can take that away from us. And we're going to be able to have diplomas that we can show not only about why we work so hard, but also it's a manifest of your sacrifices and, and also your, your fight. You, you're putting all this work and just know that those skills, no law can take that away from you. So we want you to know that you're not alone and that we're here with you. Also, if you are listening to this podcast and you got really agitated or angry about the situation of what's happening to Arizona students, we are asking you to sign our petition. We're gonna giving. We're gonna give you through this petition the latest updates on in-state tuition. How can you get involved in Arizona to provide an equity for all students, including undocumented students? And how? And you can also receive text message. But first, if you want to sign our petition, you can go to Aliento A L I E N T O A Z dot org forward slash in-state number four eight. LL. So it's in-state for all. Once again, alientoaz.org forward slash in-state for all. And if you are not really like the person who wants to sign a petition but wants to get a text message or you want to do both and want to be a superstar, you can text the word education to the number 33222. Once again, the word education to the number 33222. If you're out of state, what can they do, Jose? If you're out of state, you can donate at aliento, A-L-I-N-T-O-A-Z.org forward slash give aliento. Perfect. And we are, once again, want to thank you for listening and for tuning in to our podcast. We would love to hear your comments about what are the topics that matter to you. So make sure you fill out our survey in the link below. And we're going to hear you until the next time. Have a good one. Have a good one. Bye-bye. Peace.